Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this midweek edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you haven't already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Houston Astros, dropping the series two games to one. They are currently in second place in the American League East, just one game behind the Tampa Bay Rays. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can also find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the mile-high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew, how are you? I'm melting out here, man. It's been 100 degrees the last three days, and it's going to be 100 like the next 10. It's hotter than the Rays. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we had a 90-degree three- or four-day stretch up here, so I think it's uh, – it's probably hitting everybody. Oh, it's brutal. Where can they find you on Twitter, Andrew? They can find me at at Andrew Dwan MLB. Very good. Also joining us tonight from the nation's capital by way of West. Oh, excuse me, that's Jason's. I am so sorry, Joe. <laughs> Got my uh, got my script messed up by way of Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, Joe Goddard, how are you? Well, uh, Terry, in the intro, you always say that at times we're going to be savagely blunt. This is one of those episodes. (laughs) So I would be doing a lot better uh, if we won another one of these games. But uh, I'm doing better after the entertaining mess that was tonight's game. Yeah, we had to salvage a win, much like we did the first series. And uh, at least we did uh, by hook or by crook. So, I guess uh, let's just kind of get into it. Um, I'll just start off. You know, the first series was ugly, and that was last week, early last week. And we dropped the first three, and then we salvaged the last one. And you're just kind of hoping that we're going to have a short turnaround here with the Yankees, and then we're going to get the rematch with the Astros. And... You just hope that you you make some adjustments and you get yourselves more competitive. But not only did we not do that, they made the adjustments. And in the first two games, they destroyed us worse than the first series. So granted, Framber Valdez was throwing wiffle balls the whole night, it seemed like. So that may come to an end next week if... They start enforcing the rules. We're going to get into that in the next episode of Red Sox Deep Dives. The substances on the baseballs, spider tack, what it means going forward. But I just, I was a little disappointed coming into today that, you know, it was ugly. And the Odorizzi matchup yesterday was the guaranteed win that I had in the the preview for the last show. Like that was the the game I was least worried about, and and we didn't win it. So, anyway, wh- what were you guys' thoughts on the series before we get into studs and duds? I mean, you just gotta tip your hat and call the Astros our daddy, right? <laughs> They're just a hard team to face. This Red Sox team can't hit them. It sucks, but I I just think Astros are just that damn good. And this is what makes what they did just that much much more infuriating because they're this good. They were this good prior years when they were cheating and they've lost a bunch of talent too. So I don't know. We've seen them. We've got them over with. 
Perez didn't help out by setting the tone by laying an egg and absolutely giving out, giving up on the mound out there and not having Verdugo at the top of the lineup absolutely hurts. It seems like as he goes, the offense goes there. Uh, it was just a combination of crap that started piling up there. And I'm just glad we got one, honestly. Yeah. Glad I got one is kind of how I feel too, Andrew. I think the main thing I took away from this series is that, if we don't hit, we're in big trouble. We've known that all season long, but I guess I was starting to get a little confidence in our rotation. And every time I start to get a little confidence in the rotation, someone throws an absolute dud, you know, a wrench into my confidence. Uh, in this case, there were a couple, uh, which we'll talk about. And then on top of that, I just feel like Cora managed a poor series. Um, so I was a little disappointed with that. I wanted a little bit more fight from this team. We got it tonight. Thank God in game three, we got some fight, uh, but I wanted a little bit more fight, especially in game one. I just feel like Cora was a little too passive um, and the team didn't respond well to seeing Va- um, Valdez, sorry, a uh, second time. So I would have thought that there was, you know, some more offense to be had early in the series. Before we do get into it, I've talked about, all season long how it's wide open as far as World Series matchups. We kind of assume the Dodgers are probably going to get there on the National League side. Not necessarily a sure bet. Mookie Betts not having a good year. But on the American League side, it's starting to become pretty clear to me that the Astros are the front runner, regardless to me of what's going on in Chicago. I think it's the Astros right now. And we'll see what happens, like I said, next week once a different set of rules starts getting enforced. But this is a team, I mean, we can say how they tanked and they built a juggernaut, and that's fine, but you look at Dallas Keuchel, big part of that 2017 team, gone. Justin Verlander, big part of that 2017 team gone. And he was a big part of 2019, getting them to game seven, by the way. George Springer, gone. They they turn over their roster so good. And, you know, you got Miles Straw right now, who's, he, he doesn't have the power of, of a George Springer type guy, but he gets on base and he's a spark plug. Kyle Tucker is, is coming into his own. Jordan Alvarez is getting scarier by the month. And their pitching looks pretty good. Like they just, they find ways to stay competitive and they got Altuve for another three or four years beyond this. His contract takes him through his age 35 season. It's one of the few non-ridiculous long-term contracts. Uh, So I just, this is a team that's not going anywhere. Well, I mean, you kind of have to root for them, right? Like not, with your feelings, but in the standings, you kind of have to root for him to win that division. Cause I'd rather face the A's in a one game playoff. Cause I don't think the Rays are going away. So I'd rather face the A's in a one game winner takes all than face this Houston team. That's going to throw, you know, anyone up from their minor leagues that has a spin rate of 4,500 out there that way, you know, we're, we're not going to hit. So I hope they go on a run and then I hope the injury bug hits them. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. They scare me. Uh, I think I was one of the few people on our, our preseason show to take the Astros to, to win the wild card, not win the division. Um, and I just don't – I don't see anyone stopping this Astros team when they're healthy and when they're on. Everybody they throw up there in the lineup – I mean, Andrew pretty much said it. Anybody they throw in the rotation pitches well. And anybody they put in the lineup can swing the bat against both righties and lefties. There's no weak matchups there. So they scare me more than I would say any other team in baseball as far as a one-game playoff. Even if it were possible, I would take the Rays in a one-game playoff versus Houston if I could. So this is probably the toughest matchup for the Red Sox when I look at the you know all season who we're going to face. I think this is probably the toughest matchup that we're going to have to face all season. And we had to face them seven times in a week. So to me, chalk this one up, move on, hopefully take some positives away by winning the last game of both times. Yeah, and the one thing I notice is every time they face a pitcher for the second time, 
they're they're always they know exactly what's coming and i'm not talking trash barrels or anything they're just equipped with the information and the sequencing and <laughs> they get thrashed i mean they did it to glass now a couple of years ago in the playoffs got to him right in the first inning after he threw a a, a decent game earlier in the series and Oh God, they're just they're just going to be a pain and, and not going anywhere. But let's get into you know, it. Terry, or, go ahead. Just just on that note, yep. it's because their approach changes so much. I mean, you watch them in Game One against Perez, right? In in the first game, they were swinging at every first second pitch, and then you watch them in the second game, and they're waiting until the fourth, fifth, sixth pitch of an at bat to swing the bat, and they're he's out of the game before you can blink. It's it's really just astounding how fast they can change their approach as a team. It's not one guy, it's the whole team. And the, yeah, their execution basically like you're saying is just absolutely phenomenal and it it makes them extremely scary. It's like why did they even cheat? <laughs> why did they even cheat, you know? I uh, I really don't doubt that they do regret it immensely because they probably could have won the World Series anyway. Um but yeah. So let's go ahead, get into studs and duds. Andrew, you're leading off. Who is your stud for the series? Well, it was the other guy that was leading off tonight. That's Kike Hernandez. Um, I think we all questioned it. I did. Uh, when we saw him leading off on the lineup card, he wanted Arroyo to stick there. But <clears throat> Cora said it. He says, I like the way he was uh, approaching his at-bats this last couple games, like the way he was swinging it. And what does he come out and do tonight when they needed a win? Two hits, took a big walk, had a nice defensive play uh, on a diving catch to center field. He had five hits this series, which is a good series for him. Maybe this is the turning point because he's had some real big ups and downs, um, definitely in terms of consistency. I, I really hope this is what gets him going because we need it. We absolutely need him to – really set us up when the when the uh, lineup gets turned over a second time through. Yeah, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there, Andrew. His approach was great in this series. Uh, I was actually very upset with Kike early in the game. Uh, there was a, a double hit to deep center field that went off the wall. He bounced off the wall so hard, misplayed that ball, uh, allowed a couple of extra runs to score, I thought. And I was like, damn, like there's there's Kike making a mistake. And, and he comes back, he takes a huge walk, like Andrew said. And I noticed, you know, Cora sat him in the middle game after hitting him down low in the order for a couple of games to get some confidence in him. I wonder if maybe his approach has just been different at the top of the lineup all season. It's been, I need to be the big hitter. I got to get on base in front of these guys. And, and he's pressing too much. We mentioned it before on the show. But... He he goes down to the seventh slot. He goes two for four. He only strikes out once. Uh, and then tonight, again, he went one for four, big run, took a key walk in a situation where prior to this week, he would have swung at that pitch and struck out. But he only had one strikeout. You know, So two strikeouts on the series, uh, a couple of big hits, a good eye. And I felt like he was putting the ball in play a lot more than he was given credit for. He had a couple of line drives to right field going to the opposite field that I thought were great. Um I don't like him at the top of the order. I'm a, I'm now an Arroyo number one fan. So to me, it's not the right spot for him. I'd rather have him hitting seventh. But if you're going to put him in the leadoff spot and he gives you this, then I'm happy to be wrong. I agree with Job on a lot of that. He did have a great series. I just feel like... If you put him at the top of the order, he could fall off a cliff again and start grinding and struggling. But if you put him in the bottom third, there's just not much pressure on him. And if he's struggling at the top of the order, you're struggling there and then you're you're struggling at the bottom. So you're struggling and he's struggling in two spots. So if you just kind of keep him down there in that seven or eight hole, I, I think he would mellow out and you would just get regular stability in that one area and we're going to discuss this on deep dives you know what the leadoff uh, position really means and how, how critical it might be but um I, but I, I liked what I saw and if he can eventually win me over I mean guys on this roster have won me over 
<laughs> that I I didn't think would at the beginning of the year. I I was a huge Richards critic, you know, trashed him quite a bit, and I don't worry at all about Richards. I, I know he's going to give us a chance to win. I, I don't hate Kike Hernandez. Um, he, he made a great play tonight, uh, you know, in the in the outfield. Uh, a diving catch. I think he can help us win. It's just a matter of putting him in the right spot. But this was by far his best series in, in quite some time. He had a hit in every game. So, I mean. Well, Terry, he, let me give you some numbers there. Just yeah, on, on Kike. Yep. In his last seven games, he's hitting 269 with a 321 OBP and a 423 slugging. He can hit leadoff for me if he's hitting 270. Yeah, right. If this is the right. guy that we're going to get, he can hit leadoff, right? That's that's my thing with with Kike. He's also got 10 strikeouts and 26 at bats in that time. So strikeout numbers are still high, only two walks, um, but he looks like he's seeing the ball a lot better. The pitches that he's striking out on the plate anymore. So progress is coming. I'm very happy with Kike Hernandez in this series. Good choice as a stud, Andrew. Do you want to weigh in anything else, Andrew? No, I was actually going to say that if he doesn't need to end as a 270 hitter for me, uh, I had the same thought. If he hits 270 the rest of the way, like today's a fresh start, that's exactly what you need because, honestly, that's above average in today's today's game. Yeah, 237 is is the average in 2021. Crazy. At least in the first (laughs) half of the season. Uh, Yeah, so – uh, good enough. Job, go ahead. You're stud for the series. My stud's going to be Christian Vazquez. Um, he had a great game tonight, which really won me over. Uh, he's been struggling a little bit at the dish. We, we've talked about it on the show. And then also, you just look at the numbers. He has not been good in the last month, uh, the way that he was great in April. But in this series, he went four for 10, three RBIs, uh, one walk. He was also hit by a pitch. He was great tonight. He went to the opposite field a couple of times. That's when you know he's really seeing the ball well. He just puts a little bit of drive on it. It's not like they're looping fly balls. Um, and he serves it right into right field. And then on top of that, he had a great defensive play, a uh, great heads up on that little bouncer that really should have been called a fair ball by the umpire immediately. It, it really wasn't clear. Um, but Vasquez never gave up on the play, threw the ball to first, and then had the wherewithal to make sure that before any timeout was called that they tagged the runner at second, ended up being a double play. Uh, and if he doesn't do that and they get a shot of a guy at second base, the whole season could be different. The whole series, rather, could be different. So to me, that was a, a very clutch play. And he's the epitome of this team's never-give-up kind of factor. They have 22 come-from-behind wins this season, and I feel like Vasquez has been good in every single one of those wins. Andrew. Yeah, this team is a different team when Vasquez starts hitting because if he's in that seven hole and Arroyo is in that eight hole and both those guys can really contribute with a bat, this is a deep lineup, a lot deeper than what we saw for the first like 50 games where seven, eight, nine were just the epitome of a black hole. So I loved his approach. Uh, there were two different times where they said he should really go to the opposite field and he just looped it right into you know, shallow right, right over uh, the second baseman's head. And that's exactly what we need to be done. And like you mentioned, great play by him by throwing that guy out um, on that tapper at home plate. Just situational awareness. We never really have to worry about with him. So uh, glad he's got it going because when he's on, he's on. And we know he is a streaky hot hitter. So uh, I'm happy he's turned a corner. And I'm worried a little bit, to be honest, about – Lewecki after his apparent injury taking one off the jaw uh, in game two and to have Christian Vasquez then come out in game three and really put up these numbers it, it means a lot to me as far as confidence goes um, because even we know the pitching staff sometimes prefers to pitch to Plowecki. Uh Vasquez gives you that like you said that deeper lineup so I was very pleased with his series. Terry do you have any thoughts on it? Well, Pulecki better be back because Chris Sale's going to be back before long. <laughs> but uh, in regards to Vasquez, um, I-, I tweeted out exactly that on the podcast account earlier. This is a deadlier lineup when Christian Vasquez is hitting. 
and he's kind of quieted down. I mean, he's he's hitting two fifty nine on the season. His uh, OBP was right around three hundred uh, last I checked. So you go back to that streak we had where we won nine or ten in a row. Vasquez was a big part of that, and we have been winning games, winning series, uh, except against Houston. Um, so it's not like he's hurt the team a lot, but like we've basically said, we're just that much better when Vasquez, uh, is hitting. So, uh, love to see it and hope we keep seeing it and we'll see. And, uh, who knows, who do we have on the farm though? If, if Pulecki does go on the uh, uh, Connor Wong is the only guy on the 40, but I don't know what exactly the rules are. If, you know, if he hits the D or IL, I don't know if they can bring up, uh, whoever's on the, was it travel squad or whatever they call it now? Uh, taxi, taxi, squad. Squad. taxi squad. They're yeah. all, the rules are so weird. I have no idea what the consistency is with that. Cause I know jet bandy was on there for a second. I know Chris Herman, I think might've been on there for a second. I, it's so weird, <laughs> but, they're, but they're, Wong is finally back from injury. So, and he had a three-run home run last night, or was a grand slam, one of the two. Yeah, Wong would probably be the next catcher available, uh, being the only other catcher on the forty-man. I would not want to see a move for Wong if we can avoid it. Yeah, um, I don't like, think they would. Yeah, like Andrew mentioned, he had a home run tonight, uh, but he's only got thirty-six at bats this season. Uh, because of that injury, I just wouldn't want to see him get pushed to the big leagues and do really what like Kalenic is doing out in Seattle. Like go over thirty six and then lose all your confidence and we're gonna need him down the road as our everyday catcher. So I think you'll just see them ride Vasquez for like fifteen straight games, honestly. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. He'd be on the and DL like a week off. <laughs> if it were serious, he'd probably be on the I L already, so what was it, um, a jaw contusion? So yeah, yeah the I don't know if he dislocated it, but I've had that happen just with various life accidents. And, you know, when you go to bite, you, you feel a snapping sound and it's just so ho- hopefully it's he's all right. But my stud for the series uh, a month ago, I didn't think I'd be picking this guy. He wasn't on the roster. And, you know, so it's kind of cool. Uh, Brandon Workman had a pretty good series out of the bullpen. Um, the The first game was kind of wasted because that was the Perez start. And, um, you know, he came in for a couple of innings. We were just trying to get through the game. But he faced a lot of dangerous hitters uh, in, in both appearances. But on the Tuesday one, gave up a walk to uh, Jose Altuve. And then he proceeded to strike out Carlos Correa. Got a couple of flyouts with Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez. So he literally faced the most lethal part of the lineup and, and got through it unscathed there in the seventh, uh, excuse me, the sixth inning. And then he came back out for one more uh, inning of work and uh, did give up a single to Gurriel, but Brantley uh, grounded into a double play and uh, got another ground out by Tucker. And then on uh, Wednesday night, he got uh, he didn't allow a single base runner, struck out Stubbs. Uh, also, Correa got a ground out from Altuve. So this is about as good as you could hope for Workman. His really only bad outing so far. He came in uh, late in a Yankees game and didn't didn't look so good and had to be pulled with runners on base. I don't think he gave up a run that outing, but um, but that's really been out of his three or four appearances, um, his his only not so great one. So he looks like a guy that's kind of on his way to being a, a high leverage guy again, and and we've got several of them. I know Salamora might hit the. Uh, this, uh, the injured list. I'll never, like I said, gonna get used to not calling it the, uh, disabled list, but, um, but Josh Taylor has been great in high leverage. Adam Ottavino has been lights out basically since April. And of course, Matt Barnes, like we, <laughs> we're going to have one of the better bullpens going down the stretch. And I, I think Brandon Workman's going to be a big contributor to that. 
I think I'm a little more reserved when it comes to Workman. Um, I think he is pitching for his spot uh, every time he goes out there. I don't know how long the leash he actually has. Uh, the stuff, to me, doesn't seem all the way back. Maybe he can work his way there, but I don't know. Um, we have Brennan up now. I know we have Kelbort, who's really been pushing hard, and then Brazier. So I think there's there's a lot of pressure on the you know the non Ottavino Barnes and Taylors of the world to really produce every game game in game out because there's heavy scrutiny for them. And they're I don't think we have to worry about them getting this you know seventh eight, seventh eighth or ninth uh, in a high leverage situation, but it's still an important spot. I, I would like to see more out of him before I do declare him back. Uh, but I, I have been encouraged based off, you know, this is a guy that's been DFA twice since leaving the Red Sox. Yeah, I think Workman showed kind of flashes uh, this weekend of what he can be when he's on. We all have seen that a couple of times as Red Sox fans what he can be when that cutter's working in tandem with the curveball. It seemed to me like the curveball was still hanging a little bit, um, and the Astros hitters were kind of lighting up over it and then rolling over it. You know, they're out in front, they're super excited to see the curveball, and then they just ground it, ground it out. Um, he's not super sharp yet, but he was exactly what we needed in this series, and in contrast to some of the other guys uh, in the pen that we've tried out there, He's been out there four appearances, uh, and he hasn't given up a run except that first home run, as far as I'm aware, uh, that first solo shot. So to me, he's improving every day. I think his spot is probably the first one to go. He's he's worth the least amount of money. So he's really, like Andrew said, pitching for a spot, and so far, so good. Um, I would have liked to have seen him tonight over Andres. Um, but he probably didn't have any bullets left in the tank. Yeah, I mean, he had already pitched three innings uh, in the two games prior, but um, I don't know. I just feel like he's going to have to go on an ugly stretch to get it taken away, I feel like. I mean, there's no rush to bring up Ort, is there? I mean, he's got well, so a full the, slate the of options. Ort, we'll, we'll get to it at some point. Is the 40-man roster crunch is coming? Um, we've talked about it a little bit, but the only other thing is Ryan Brazier is going to need a spot when he gets back and they will not give up on Brazier in- imminently. And Workman's, you know, one of the guys that has a shorter leash based on his performance already this year with other clubs and the deal that he's signed to. So I think he might end up just drawing the short straw if he doesn't perform well. So he might, like Andrew said, he might be a couple of stinkers away from, you know, getting cut, but he could also be a couple of performances away from getting back in Alex Cora's good graces and becoming a big high leverage pitcher for this team. I'm just hoping it goes one way and not the other. Yeah. I mean, he's pitched in a couple world series, so he can handle it. And, how bad would it look if we DFA'd him, bring back Brazier, and then Brazier just doesn't have it, and it's just a complete mess? Well, then we're back to the carousel, right? <laughs> then we're back to the try guy for two weeks, DFA him, bring up the next guy, which seems to be what we're doing. Um, I think probably Workman is in comp- direct competition at this point with Brennan, uh, who they brought up today from AAA for Valdez. I think one of those two is going to stick. And the other spot is probably going to go back to Valdez, uh, who has been very good. He's only down in AAA because his usage has been very heavy and we needed a fresh arm. I don't think that's anything judgment-wise being passed by the brass on what he can do because we've seen him be pretty good this season uh, in his limited usage by Alex Cora. My one real concern with the the bullpen and, and workman is we don't really have a spot for guys we can't trust. So he needs to put together a big string in order to really garner any faith. I and aside from workmen, just you know, looking at the bullpen in general at this point, when has it been so deep? I mean, I feel like every other bullpen out there has at least two or three guys in it they just don't want to see under any circumstances. And 
this one, there's just not enough spots for everybody. I just don't recall a time where we've seen that. Well, so yep. Andrew, Andrew's going to have a different answer than I will. But real quick, I would say we only really have one, maybe two, depending on how you look at Ottavino, guys that you can trust in any given situation always. Um, that's Matt Barnes and Ottavino. After that, the drop-off is huge. Um, I'm all the way there with Taylor. (laughs) I'm a Taylor guy. I like Taylor too. I'm just thinking like, you know, there's a lot of guys and it's not, we don't have a lot of disasters, but we also don't have a lot of guys that have really proven they can do it. So I'm not, I'm not quite on the, the bullpen is great hype train yet. Um, actually more leaning towards, we have a lot of B minus arms, uh, and we could really use a move for one of these guys. You know, that's an A minus or a B plus arm and get rid of some arms. I'd rather trade package two guys and a prospect and go get somebody with some, you know, high leverage culpability. I don't know what you think about that, Andrew. I think his answer will be different. Go ahead. (laughs) For me, the circle of trust for the eighth and ninth inning guys. I mean, that's always going to be two max. I don't know any team that's ever had the luxury of having more than that, but for Taylor, I love him in the seventh. I think he's turned everything completely around. I think he's fully recovered from COVID. I think he's got strength back. His velocity is up. I have no worries about that. Um, Yeah. I think we're deep uh, inning six through nine. And this was my thing going into the year. I said, I didn't see a single guy averaging more than six innings pitched. I think I said no one would have hit. 175 was my I bold think prediction. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been six innings over 30 starts, and I didn't think every guy was going to make 30 starts. I thought they would skip people here and there, but obviously, we have really haven't had the depth on uh, the 40 man with all the minor league injuries. But besides the point, um, I I love the bullpen right now. The biggest wild card for me is Matty Andres and. I don't think he would have a job right now if Tanner Houck and Connor Siebold were healthy because those are your spot starters, and we don't have a spot starter on the 40-man roster. That would be Philpus Valdez, and that would be one in, two innings most, and it could be one if he completely blew up. At least Matt Andres has had a complete game to his resume. So I like our bullpen a lot. Hero, I think, is great. Um, well, wildly great <laughs> when he's right and if he's healthy. And honestly, a little DL IL stint right now might not be the worst to manage his workload. Um, if as long as Brandon can fill in, but I kudos to the front office for putting this many bodies together at a discounted price. We definitely have difference of opinion there, but um. I'm not even sure whose turn it is at this point. Is it is it time for duds? I think uh, it is, right? Well, we got some honorable mentions. Let me just throw one thing out there just because we might have the luxury, uh, although I, I think it's a long shot. But could you maybe option Darwins and Hernandez to to kind of buy yourself some time? He's been really good over his last, like, 10 appearances or something. They read the stats tonight, and he's been – it really, really good. I, I don't fault him for that Altuve home run. That was like, that was absurd. <laughs> it was two inches off the ground. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that drives me nuts. That's I could go off about that and juiced baseballs. He had another home run just like that that went into the Crawford boxes in the first series. Just a. Just a nothing swing, and it ended up being a home run. Like, how is every swing not a home run when you see those, is what I'm wondering. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. As far as Hernandez getting an option goes, I think that's off the table. Uh, Andrew kind of mentioned it. He's been on fire a little bit in his last seven appearances. I'm just looking at his last 15 appearances right here. Uh, he's got a 2-2-5 ERA, 12 innings pitched, seven hits, three runs, uh, and a whip of one four two, and if you go back to a full month to his last thirty games, he's been really good. Twenty innings pitched, fourteen hits, six runs, eighteen walks is the only issue with thirty strikeouts. So you you really are you, you're okay with the lefties in the bullpen at the moment. The real issue is who do you bring up that can give you some length? That's what Andrew was talking about. 
And right now we just don't have that. Yeah, like I said, it, it didn't make a ton of sense, but not everybody has options. He does, and if an outside the box, I I was just kind of throwing spaghetti against the wall there. But um, but yeah, and the one solo shot tonight is what it is. He still got two strikeouts. It, it wasn't a bad uh, outing overall. So uh, just a couple of quick honorable mentions. Devers, 3 for 12, had uh, two hits tonight. Uh, one in the second game. Xander Bogarts hit a home run in the second game. And uh, actually had a hit in every uh, game of the series. Four for ten for him. Um, the, the bullpen wasn't really too bad outside of uh, uh, Andres. Whitlock scuffled a little bit, actually. Well, well, we could get into that later. But Ottavino, Barnes, Taylor were, were good all the way through. So, uh you know, not a not a bad uh, not a bad bullpen performance there from our high leverage guys. Anyway, uh, okay, Duds, Andrew, who do you have? All right, I'm going to keep this short, kind of like his outing. It was Martin Perez. I felt like he gave up uh, on the mound out there. His body language was crap. His pitches were even worse than his body language. Um, I don't know how he still has a sub four ERA after that one, but. He made his bed, and I really wish he laid it in longer. Two innings sucks. I really wish they left him in longer um, because sometimes you just got to take it for the team. You got to take the bullet if it was coming for you and you deserved it. And everyone obviously is allowed a stinker you know, from time to time, but, man, that was, that was a bad one. He had no feel whatsoever for that and. Whatever. He's been great other than that, so it's hard to fault him too much. It was against a good team. It's not like he did this against the Orioles. Yeah, I think the only reason that I'm not angry about the way he pitched is that he's been so good for so long that he was due for one of these. His career ERA is four for a reason, even though we've seen some great performances from him. Uh, he you know, he raises ERA from a 3.09 to a 3.89 in one performance. So obviously a, a huge stinker from him. I kind of agree with Andrew. I wish they'd left him in a little bit longer just to burn less arms. Um, we don't really have that long guy go for out of the bullpen at the moment, though. Andres was good in that spot. Um, and on top of that, I feel like Perez was looking to cord, take him out of that game. I don't know if either of you noticed that, but I felt like, he looked over to the dugout a couple of times after giving up walks and was like, are you going to come get me or what? And to me, it was like, it's the second inning. You've thrown 70 pitches. You've already gotten shelled. Take one for the team. I'm with Andrew. You should have pitched four innings in that game. You're already out of it. Just go up there and throw it down the middle. And if they hit it, they hit it. But hopefully it'll find some gloves uh, and you won't get toast. To me, Cora should have gone out there a little earlier and talked to him. And explain that situation probably before that bases loaded, uh, bases loaded double cleared the bases and and made it six runs. Uh, he could have gone out there when it was five to one uh, or four to one, rather, and just said, "Look, you know, throw it over the plate. Don't worry what happens. No one's going to hold it against you. We just need some innings." And Perez probably has a much more positive outlook on his outing if that happens. Instead, every time he throws the ball, he looks over at Cora with a dirty look like, why didn't you come get me? My ERA is stinking it up. I understand he's pitching for a contract, so he's probably very pissed off. But to me, even with that feel, I would have left him in. in the th- I would have sent him back out there in the third inning uh, to get shelled after we went one, two, three at the bottom of the third. I would have sent him back out there rather than put in Andres because... That's what he's here for. He's on the one-year contract. His arm absolutely eats innings. That's what you want from him. Uh, So our expectations are a little off because he's been so good. But I would have been okay if they left him in a little longer. Not a good performance. Yeah, I mean, he just had no answers. He had this defeated look and just seemed to, like Andrew said, just feel like there was no way out and... I mean, arguably, this was probably his worst performance in a, in a Red Sox uniform. And I'm pulling up his game logs right now. The The real surprising thing here was his last start was against the Houston Astros on uh, June 3rd. 
He went seven and two thirds. He got eight outs into the second, uh, into the eighth inning, two outs into the eighth inning and didn't give up uh, an earned run, uh, struck out four. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's almost like he knew when he went into that game the other night, they know what I'm going to throw. Like they know what my pitch sequence is. I'm kind of screwed. Uh, and just kind of gave up on it. I felt like his exasperation uh, was a little much. And, you know, I'm I'm number one Perez fan in all of New England. But to me, he just didn't help the ball club either with his start or the length that he gave you. And, Terry, you and I talked about it a little bit in, in the chat and in private text. We'll get into it a little bit in the next episode as to why I think maybe there was some concern from him. Uh, but he just wasn't sharp. He didn't have it. Everyone's allowed to to not have it once in a while. We saw it from Richards twice. So hopefully this is a one-off. We really need him to be good down the stretch until we get Chris Sale back. And even then, uh, I'd love to have Martin Perez be that guy in the bullpen who could give you four if somebody you know either gets hurt or has a stinker. Um, he's a good arm like that. I do wonder if him going so long in his last outing, even though what it wasn't a high pitch count, had anything to do with this start. Because getting up and getting down, going in and coming out of a game can have the, the same amount of fatigue on your body and arm as throwing a lot of pitches. It so always I, does. It yeah. Always does. Um, I, do, I do wonder if that was a big factor. There was a couple of guys today. I mean, Granke came out early uh, today. Because his last couple of outings, he's been going into the seventh inning. And even though he was a low, kind of a low pitch count, he's in the 60s, they just kind of thought it was catching up with him. Uh, Jerry mentioned on the broadcast, so they pulled him. I wonder if maybe that's it. He could have used an extra day's rest. But I feel like everybody in the, you know, on the Sox right now could use a day's rest. So if there was a game to check out of, I just wish it didn't come against Houston. Um, what do you think about maybe him in the pen? Down, down the stretch if, you know, Sale comes back? Well, it's that's a, the million-dollar question. I mean, Erod got – if you look at his pitching line, it looks like he got knocked around pretty good tonight. But, you know, Andres kind of played a role in basically doubling his earned run count, went from three to six. Um, if Andres gets, a, gets an out there, Rodriguez gets out of the game with just three earned runs. But – um, somebody's going to lose their job and I, it's, it's tough. I, I, I was going to talk about Evaldi here in a minute, but I think he goes to the pen because you want to try to save him a little bit. I feel like if you can reduce his innings, less likely for that automatic DL stint. But what are your thoughts, Andrew? You know, if he's not coming back till mid-August, like they said the other day, these things have a funny way of working yeah, themselves true. out. So I I don't want to commit to a scenario here. And they also said they weren't fully set on sale being a starter right when he came back either. Well, Cora, so I think Cora poured cold water on that, though, and said he's a guy that goes every five days. He, there were so is Whitlock right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, true. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, Cora seemed to be pretty adamant that he'll go right into the rotation yesterday based on uh, those quotes. But um, I'm just discouraged they're still talking August with Sale and not uh, July. But, but they're not going to rush I, There's it. so much money and years left on this deal. Yeah. I think. It sucks, but if he had a setback, then this would be the like ultimate black hole of the contract. Unfortunately, yeah, he's got yeah, three I, years, I seventy-five million. So, yeah, I I get it. They're not gonna they're not gonna take any chances with him. But and- I almost feel like Bloom's ideal scenario. We've talked about this a couple of times, or alluded to this a couple of times. Bloom's ideal scenario for this team was, you know, they play a little bit better than last year not by much, and he can move all these pieces that are pending free agents or opt-outs um, for more depth for next season and beyond, uh, like a Matt Barnes. Um, and in that case, you probably don't see Chris Sale this season at all. I mean, you might see him do a little bit of light work, um, but you probably don't see him 
at all on this team uh, pitching competitively. So this is not the plan. I don't think that Bloom worked out. So I, I'm okay with him waiting till August. Don't rush crack Chris Sale. I want to see Chris Sale throwing 80 to 100 pitches in the postseason and carrying us to a World Series title. So I don't want to rush that. Yeah, and like Andrew said, things have a way of working themselves out. Somebody could just end up on the disabled list anyway, and that's how that's how you get Chris Sale into your rotation. So I still think Eduardo Rodriguez is going to get traded, and I covered that on uh, Totally Legit or Call the Cops, which was the last episode before this. Really fun episode. The other guy, we got all we got all summer to to gripe about that, but I think there is a scenario in there. Uh, Job, your stud, uh, excuse me, dud for the series. So my dud is somebody who just completely lost me today. Um, and that's Matt Andrees. He had a really good first game of the series, so I really didn't want to go with him if I could avoid it. He had. He gave up one home run in that first game, five Ks through two innings, only one walk in that short stint after Perez kind of bombed us and left us with that sneaker. But tonight he came in, he clearly didn't have it. He walked two guys with the bases loaded so to tie the game and then give up the, the go-ahead run. And to me it was like sense of impending doom. It was like, oh, well, this, this one's out of reach now because we already came back once. Thanks to JD's home run. Do we have it in us to come back again? Um, I just think that when Cora didn't pitch him for five days last week, there was a reason for that. I think Andres is just gassed. I don't think there's bullets left in the chamber for him to go every third day because we lean on him for two innings when we lean on him. So he's almost like a starting pitcher in that respect. He needs his rest, and when he doesn't have it, he's garbage. Uh, we just don't have room for more guys who are going to throw stinkers in this pen. So to me, it's like if you could, you know, if you had a healthy Tanner Houck, uh, he'd be the guy in that spot. Yeah, I want Andres to work out so badly. But it, the first month was great. The changeup was really hitting all the spots. And it's just been off. And it sucks because he has a low contract this year. He's got a low contract next year. He can be a swing man. But it it's just not the control the command just isn't there at this point. And he's just a tick off. I don't know. I'm sure Bush has been working with him day in, day out. And obviously that's gonna take some uh bullets out of the arm. You know, how many bullpens are he gonna do? But I really want him to figure it out because like I said earlier, he's their only spot starter right now, which well, is so I don't crazy. even think that he could be a spot starter. That's my point, Andrew. I think that he has the tools to do it and the experience doing it previously, but his arm is just not there right now. But who but I, by hook or by crook, who else is going to do it, though? You know what I mean? I mean, th- there is no one else because Whitlock's on that pitch count, right? So And Hauk and Siebold are both on the uh, you know injured list, and they're barely throwing at this point. So, I, you know, by this like process of elimination, he's – Yeah, dying. he's got a job. I, It's such a weird situation right now that he has security – because there's no one else that knows how to do his job, essentially. And I like Matt Andrees. We owe everything to him for teaching Garrett Whitlock how to throw that changeup. I mean, hell, he's a changeup guru at this point. It's it's a very hard situation to be in because maybe Valdez can be that spot starter. We saw it last year, but I think I would trust Andrees over Valdez. Well, we've seen Andrees. You know, he went out and struck five guys out in the first in the first game of this series. So. I don't hate having him as a spot starter. I just don't think there's bullets left in the tank there for him right now. And he's not inducing ground balls the way no, that he did no. early in the He's season. not trusting his stuff. No, he's not. He's trying to go after hitters with he's, the fastball up. Yeah. Uh, and it's ending up with a lot of walks like he did tonight with the bases loaded. To me, I was screaming at my television like, just throw a low sinker or a low changeup and let him roll over it. Trust your defense. Like, I know we don't have the greatest shortstop in the world, a defensively greatest left side of the field with Devers and Xander, but they can turn too, you know, get you out of this inning. 
Uh, or they can just, you know, it's only one out. They only need one out. Go to the short way to second, whatever. Uh, instead, he keeps the ball high. It's almost like if you don't chase his pitches and he gets behind, he gives up. Um, it's super frustrating for me. So I'm I'm out on Matt Andrees at this point. I'd almost like to see, like, us piece it together with Workman and Whitlock as our spot starter combo. You like, could... get Whitlock for four and yeah. Workman for two. I don't know. If you're if you're more strategic with Whitlock, that's how you get your your opener for three innings, I, I think. And I don't think Andres is is long for this uh, team. I'd be surprised if he's here by mid July still. But it's it's also another instance, you know, Perez seven and two thirds in his first start against the Astros, only two innings this time around. Andres gets nine outs in game one. Can't get an out this time without you know giving up all those runs. So, um, and it could have been more command tonight than than anything. But but the Astros did seem to be ready for him one way or the other. So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, mine will spend the shortest amount of time on uh, Danny Santana. Just not working out. He's got five hits. Two of them were home runs. One was a triple. He's got two singles. Just I don't see how I don't see how he and Marwin can can stay on this team. Marwin was 0 for 7 in the series. And Dahlbeck gives you three good games a month. Tonight was one of them. So it's just it's painful and they need to find a a better solution than than those three. And I, I think where Santana doesn't have the the relationship that that Marwin has with Cora, I I think Santana is going to be the uh, the odd man out here pretty quick. Well, I don't yeah. think Marwin's going anywhere. I mean, Andrew, I do you? I don't think Marwin's no. Going Marwin's here to stay, and he's been one of the best defenders in Major League Baseball this year uh, by all stats. So it sucks that Santana ha- wasn't able to keep his hot streak going that he started with. Um, I don't know if that's lack of playing since he barely played last year. Had the most abbreviated spring training this year when he got that infection in his foot. Uh, but it's it's not working out, and that stinks because they got a great deal on him. And if that hit, that would have been the ultimate lottery ticket. But we have noticed in the last few games, or maybe five or six games, Cora's really shortened up his bench. You know, he's been more consistent with his lineup. So I think the first two months we're figuring out pieces, getting every guy in, and then he's going to start going to the grind, the summer grind of getting these guys pretty much playing every day, spelling one of them, you know, every other game. But we're going to see consistent lineup here. And the less Marwin plays, the better, because I think that will make him more effective. Santana say until Duran is ready, which I might still be a little bit a ways away just based on defense. But I don't know. It's he's not costing us games, but he's not helping win either. Well, let me ask you this. If it comes down to Arroyo and Marwin who stays, I don't know if there'll be a scenario where that comes into play. I mean, Duran will be up and. Oh, I mean, Bloom is, I don't see that being a him or him situation, but it would be a Royal all day long. I mean, he's like 10 years younger than Marwin at this point and has, you know, a very low contract for the next two years after this and can, can contribute just at a much greater rate. Yeah. yeah, I don't see them really in the same conversation either. Um, I, I think the reason that Marwin's still here is because Cora looks at it and goes, "That's who he was." Like, think about it. That's who Cora. That's how Cora made a living, right? As that defensive replacement, absolute. You can trust him. He wasn't as good as Marwin uh, defensively at any position. Um, played a lot more second and short um, than Marwin can play anywhere. But I think Cora just knows that in a game where they're winning, you can go to Marwin for defense at any position at any time. And it also helps to be able to give guys days off and know that there's no defensive hole. 
right? It, it's it's one thing to give a guy a day off and the guy he, you, that you put in the lineup goes over three. That sucks. But if the guy goes over three and there's an error that costs you two runs, that's what Cora has been focusing on since spring training. He's been harping on it. Defense matters since the beginning. That's why we went and got Marwin Gonzalez. In that scenario, it's definitely Arroyo, but I think Marwin Gonzalez's place is pretty safe on the bench. Uh, I think Santana's is not. Look at Marwin. If it was Game 7 of the World Series, um, ninth inning, do you think Devers or Marwin would be at third base? Oh, absolutely Marwin Gonzalez. And the reason that I think yeah. Marwin Gonzalez is here is exactly that. You know that you have a lot of offense on this team, one through five, especially with the emergence of Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro hitting 265 is not something we any of us saw. We thought we were going to get 225, 230 from him in a platoon situation. Instead, he's made himself an everyday player uh, for this team right now on a super cheap deal. So if you get offense one through five, maybe even one through six, that black hole that is Marlon Gonzalez is also a black hole on defense sucking up baseballs in the middle of the diamond. You absolutely take that in the playoffs, especially in a close game. Defensive replacements will always have a spot on a roster uh, in Major League Baseball. I just wish he had a little bit more speed. That's my only issue with Marwin is he doesn't steal bases, you know. But other than that, he really is playing like a Dave Roberts slash Alex Cora kind of role defensively. It's it's pretty awesome uh, to have the exact same mold under Cora that he was as a player. So I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, one thing I didn't consider before I, I threw out that scenario, Dahlbeck would probably be option two before that ever came to the forefront. Absolutely. Yeah. I think Dahlbeck's leash is very short. I tweeted out in the middle of the series. I know he had a good night tonight, which everybody then tweets back at me like, oh, look, he had a good night. I think the Dahlbeck experiment is, is close to an end um, for a while. And I think we'll see Marlon Gonzalez at first base quite a lot. Uh, going forward if Dahlbeck doesn't get his stroke quickly. Yeah, because, I mean, you figure if Duran gets called up, your bench is Ploiecki, Gonzalez, um, probably Renfro, I'm assuming. He'll probably go into a platoon thing because you figure Verdugo, Duran, and Kike would be your outfield. Unless you want to take bats away from uh, Arroyo at second to put Kike in there. So, I think you probably platoon Kike and Arroyo. In at second base, and Renfro plays every day. Uh, I think Renfro's earned it at this point, and he, he's been so Duran hot, is, though. But Duran, his strikeout rate is still super high, and his defense has actually been pretty bad. Um, in the final Olympic qualifying game, he had two bad errors. He he can't judge a fly ball that's at him at this point. Like yeah, a line he might drive. be he might be better off in a situation where. Even if he comes up, he doesn't play every day. Uh, you play yeah, yeah. for him. Oh, I he think plays he, left field, maybe. He'd um, have to have he'll have to play left. Because he can't play center or right right now. He just doesn't have the ability. Uh, and you move Verdugo over to center uh, and Renfro and right. And if it's not Renfro and it's Kike, then Kike probably plays center and Verdugo plays right. And I'm still ho- super hopeful for him. I do want him up on this team by mid-July because um, I do think he is a spark that could contribute to this team immediately offensively if the bat is right. But if they don't it, – it's so tough. They're get, really going to need to see the defensive development out of him and then how he faces major league pitching because he really hasn't done that yet. But they have to give him a call. They have to give him a run and kind of a longer leash. But they it's I almost like, it's almost like him and Dahlbeck are mutually exclusive. <laughs> right? I mean the leash for one you can only have a leash that's long enough for one of them at, at the same time. Right now they've been giving Dahlbeck a long leash because Duran's not ready. I think the second Duran is ready, Dahlbeck's leash is up. Um, and you send him down, you play Marwin at first base as often as you can, and then maybe Arroyo plays first base when Kiki plays second, and you kind of move things around that way. But to me, you don't want to bring up Duran and have the same thing happen to Duran as happened to Dahlbeck. Well, if right? Duran... You've killed his confidence. So I, I think you probably have Franchi Cordero come up before you have Duran come up. We're going to see Franchi again, I think, probably in the next three weeks before you see Duran. 
I just think it's going to happen. He's raking at Triple A. <laughs> Franchi's on one right now, but I would love to see them just let him do this for like three months straight. And I, I am still a Franchi believer because I do think all the talent's there. Um, and obviously have him for two more years after this. So I, I don't want to bring him up just quite yet, even though he's hitting like 500 and hitting everything 500 feet. But I I would, I do want to see Durant get the chance. But, you know, now that I, I bet to actually bring this up, Marcus Wilson has probably earned the spot call up if they need an outfielder because he's been amazing lately and he's been consistent. His teammates love him and he can play defense in the outfield. I would take that yeah, over I think, Franchi. <laughs> I just I think, think Marcus Wilson probably gets your short-term call up. I don't know that he would be the guy they go to for the key contribution just because they trust uh, Cordero. They gave him a long Yeah, range. no, they need to, they just need to see what he has because Time's running up with him, and they do have some decisions coming this off season where they have to, oh, at you know, some point, figure some things out. Episode on that forty-man roster mm-hmm. crunch because it's coming and it's coming fast. And he's um, probably going to be one of the first one out if if something if happens play. quick. Yeah, and another thing on Duran, if he comes up, he's in the lineup every day. Like he's not a bench guy; he's having a bat in his hand every day. Yeah, I think he's like I said. I think he's in a similar spot to Bobby Dahlbeck. They're going to give him a lot of rope. Yeah, but you can't give both those guys rope at the same time. They won't be up at you the same don't. time because then all that stuff we're talking about. Then, then someone Arroyo or Marwin does have to go if both them are up at the same time. We won't. See, we won't see that. We so unless you know, unless somebody goes Santana. Well, Santana can go. He's going to be Santana's gone. Gonna yeah, go. he's. Gonna, that would be the go. move. That would be the move right no, there. Yeah. But right. Right. Duran Duran is not going to be, I don't think, in the lineup every day with Bobby Dahlbeck. I just don't see a spot. They won't be up it. together. Dahlbeck's gone. No, if Duran's I, up, I Dahlbeck's gone. Yeah, because you can't you can't have six automatic strikeouts per game in your lineup. That's just too many. Yeah, uh, and Duran is going to strike out a lot when he gets here. It's going to be a learning curve. It always is, and he already has high strikeout rates. He is an offensive spark plug, but I don't know how long that'll last. Yeah. All right. We got to fly through the uh, series preview. Uh, just to touch, Evaldi, uh, not a great outing. Uh, even though he gave up one less run than Perez, it was mostly in the third inning. Dave Bush came out to the mound. They had a conversation, and Evaldi was able to grind away into the sixth inning. So I'm a little less concerned with Evaldi right now than than maybe Perez. Um, Whitlock scuffled a little bit, gave up a run. Uh, couple of hits didn't strike out anybody so hopefully he'll work through that um and in the lineup i mean arroyo did hit a home run tonight it was a three-run shot big because it tied the game it was it was seven to four and then once he hit it it was seven to seven so it was still a big spot but he did have he was oh for six with five strikeouts coming into tonight uh, going down the list, Martinez two for twelve. He was he sat out a few games, so maybe a little bit of rust there. Renfro two for twelve did have uh, a, an outfield assist, almost had two. Um, and that's and Dahlbeck was uh, two for nine, got two hits tonight, drove in a couple of runs. Uh, so let's get into the Toronto series super quick. It is a four-game set beginning on Friday, so it'll wrap on a Monday. Stripling versus Garrett Richards in Game 1. Steven Matz versus Nick Pavetta Game 2. That's on Saturday for 10 start. That's annoying. Um, Robbie Ray versus Martin Perez on Sunday. And then in the uh, series finale, Monday night at 7.10, we have Alec Manoa, one of uh, Toronto's top pitching prospects, going against Nate Avoldi. So um, we don't really have enough time to get into it game by game, but um, this sh- should be a good series. Every time I say 3-1, to one, we lose it 3-1. Uh, to one. But this looks like a 3-1 to one type series to me. I That... That Blue Jays offense is just too good. I think a split will be more than acceptable. I do think Monday with Manoa, I, his stuff is awesome. I've been watching his starts closely. I do have him in fantasy. <laughs> but I don't know. I 
those batters, Vlad's on one this year. These guys are just raking, and if it's supposed to be warm in Boston, right? That ball should be flying. I I think there's just gonna be like a ten to eight game where we unfortunately catch the you know the short end of the stick there. So give me a split, I'll be happy. Well, on that on that note, Andrew, the Red Sox improved to thirty one and three when they score more than four. I think that's the exact formula that the Toronto Blue Jays are looking to build this team around. So I also think it's probably going to be a series split. And it's unfortunate because I think Tampa Bay is about to pick up two games on us over the weekend. They played Baltimore for three. Um, They'll sweep that series, I think, with relative ease. Uh, And I just I want to see the Sox starters go deep a little bit. I'd be okay if we lose the games by a, a wide margin a couple of times, but the Red Sox starters give you six plus and your bullpen gets a little bit of rest because I think there's a decent chance that as we get down the stretch, these guys are getting tired already. All right. Well, I'll be the homer that predicts the series win then. Um, but it could go, it could go either way. Really? I keep picking us to beat the Astros. So and uh, it Me doesn't too. happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Yeah, so that show will be on uh, Monday night. Jason, Charlie, and myself will be covering it. But 24 hours from now, we will have deep dives. We're going to talk Xander Bogart's contract extension. We're going to talk about substances on baseballs, how it might affect the Red Sox how it might affect the second half of the season in general. And we had one more. Oh, we'll talk leadoff uh, hitters as well. So check for that one uh, 24 hours after this one. And then again, we will be back on Monday to discuss the Toronto series. Take care, everyone.